0: Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to season two, episode six of the Real Estate Rundown. In this episode, I get the pleasure, honestly, the pleasure of interviewing a friend of mine. It's not often that the people that I get to meet on my show here actually know. I'm actually hung out with. I really dig this dude. This is my buddy Vishnu. Vishnu, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Look at that. The guy follows instructions. Vishnu and I are going to be talking about the right mindset, the journey from losing everything he had to building a successful fix and flip business and a successful real estate consulting business. But we're also going to look at things you can do outside of real estate where you can take those same principles that you're using in real estate to make money in other areas. And Vishnu and I have got some great creative things that we're going to discuss. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to get 100% loan to values on hard money loans, residential, how to acquire turnkey e-commerce opportunities, how to take some real action in your investment journey. But more importantly, I'm just gonna get to hang out and interview a friend of mine. So, Vishnu, let's just jump right into it and figure out what we have got to discuss. But what we wanna know, give everybody a snippet of who you are, where you've come from, what your background is.
2: Yeah. So, as far as real estate is concerned, my background was this was a while ago. So, I was an undergraduate student at DePaul and I didn't wanna be there, right? And eventually, the long and short of it is, I just actually just stopped going to classes. I was part-timing as a (laughs) waiter. And I was at DePaul University as an undergraduate student in political science, and my minor was in international studies. And so I just was, I was just lost. I was one of those kids that I shouldn't have been at college. I should have been doing other things. And so I eventually stopped going to classes at DePaul at that time. But what they did is they failed me. What I'm saying is, I didn't even bother to withdraw out of the class. So it was like straight down apps, right? And that was pretty much, they booted hey, me out You
1: know what? Let's think of it the positive way. Let's talk about mindset though. You were consistent. They were all exactly the same, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. And I laughed because I did the same thing, right? I went to college. <laughs> oh yeah. I went to college. And then I realized I had to go like every day. I just <laughs> thought you showed up, you got to wear the tassel, but it wasn't for me either. So our stories are very, very similar like that because it's not for everybody. And, mm-hmm. It's funny how little I need a college education out here where I'm at,
2: right? Absolutely. It just depends on what what you're trying to do. And I think the thing is, Shannon, about that, as far as young people, if there are young people in the audience listening to us, but like, really, we both know that it was drilled in our head, go get that four-year degree, right? That's changed a lot. So I I would just encourage people to just, look, you don't want to spend that money if you're not into it, right? And maybe you'll be into it late. I actually eventually went and got my degree. I'm glad I have it. Clearly, I don't use my political science or international studies at all, right? right. right. Except for yelling at people in clubhouse or whatever. But like, how much is it, is it useful? I think the thing is, I would say to people, I'm glad that I went back because it gave me critical thinking skills. It allowed me, and this is really important, you have to source things in college right? You can't just willy-nilly make things up off of YouTube, for some person, right? So it gave me the sense of essentially even translating into things that we do, due diligence is what I'm saying, yeah. right? And yeah. knowing that resources are real. So there's a lot of benefits to it. Is it absolutely necessary for everyone? hundred percent now.
1: And that's great to understand because even in real estate, right? People think that it's one size fits all, right? Like, oh, you do real estate. Well, then you must do whatever I think you're doing, right? And what you've proven, Vishnu, is that there's a lot of different ways to make money in real estate. There's a lot of other ways to make money to then use that money to make money in real estate. I mean, you've put together such a menagerie of a repertoire of things that you've done. I mean, tell us about some of the other things that you've done, how you've done your real estate journey, how you've gotten into other businesses.
2: Yeah. So going back to that journey, so I got kicked out of college and I was pretty lost at the time. So The long and short of it was I had a really good friend of mine that I grew up. Her boyfriend was doing real estate, and this is in Chicago. And when I say Chicago, in the city, not Chicagoland or in the suburbs. So we were at a wedding, and we were having a good time. And he's like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, hey, man, I'm interested in real estate. And he's like, oh, he's like, meet me on Tuesday, right, at the office. And so he was, I hate to use the word mentor, but he was my mentor. He taught me the business And really my role at that time was I was project manager. So I was overseeing the contractors and look, I'm not the beast, the huge hulk of a man that I am now in front of you. I was 130 pounds telling Polish contractors and my Mexican brothers what to do. So it was really interesting work. I had to gain their trust and confidence, right? Because they're like, who's this skinny punk kid who has no experience? And they had to listen to me, right? So It was great to get that street cred, I think, right from salt to the earth people. And I loved that experience. And I did that for a number of years. And I stopped. And so I was project manager. I was that means I was taking care of the budget. I was every day on the job site. And for a while there, until we brought it in-house, we had clients. So I was also the warranty manager. I was dealing with clients to deal with new moms who are going to build yeah. a family in their house. Yeah. Not the funnest thing. Well,
1: that's exactly why I got into commercial. I had experiences with people and this Nick in the baseboard, you did that intentionally. You don't like me. You're trying to make it so that my son doesn't have a good experience growing up. How could you do that to little Johnny, right? Where in a commercial building looking at it going, yep, the roof doesn't leak. All right, guys, bring the furniture in. Let's get this office set up. We got to make some money, make some money, right? And so that was totally my transition because
2: you're right, man, it's a home versus a tool to make money with a business. Right. But I would say to that, Shannon, is that, yeah, of course, that was a pain in the ass. Right. But at the same time, my mentor, so we ended up doing GC projects, right. For other people. And then eventually we ended up doing single family luxury homes, right. On the high end. But he put, instilled in me both of those situations which i do give him credit for whether it was the homeowner and actually i, I would even say i was better at it eventually than he is is it made me pay attention to detail right. right you know so yeah
1: well and mr i mean you were doing that and then where's this zero to hero thing happen? i mean where's, where's yeah. this, this I mean, loss come in i mean where's yeah. the punchline
2: <laughs> let's get right to it so then i went back to college Got my degree my useless degree in political science and international studies and then i went i graduated from depaul in chicago and then i actually was once again lost right so i was like hey i want to do something radically different i moved to new york worked in the film and tv industry actually for a while and to get to your point there's a theme here i get bored pretty easy right and it actually is usually when i get a modicum of success is I'm probably right. like, okay, that's boring now, and move on, right? and Because I'm a challenge kind of fiend, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm always trying to level up. I'm always trying to challenge myself. If I don't see that happening, I get that. By the way, film and TV industry, literally the worst human beings on the planet, right? <laughs> so you know, they helped me leave, right? So, um, yeah. so I did that for a while, and then what I did is, again, changed radically to become a trader. And I was trading my own money, actually. So I was a stock trader at first, where most people start to so day trader. And then I moved into the futures market and I ended up in the, the options world, right? So derivatives of stocks is where I ended up. And that's where I did that for five years, something like that. And I did it enough to make a salary. I wasn't one of those millionaire guys. That was enough to peel off enough to live. And I was happy with that. And then, of course, the old, there's a, one of these Wall Street guys that I talked to was like, hey, it's great until it's not. And it became that. Right. So when my buddy Elon Musk tweets that his own company isn't worth $420 at the time. Right. That hurts me a little bit. Right. And then our former president starts treating like madness. I'm not going to blame other people. A lot of it was I wasn't managing risk. Well, long and short of it, with to Shannon's alluding to, I ended up with a loss of I say a half a million dollars, but I don't actually do the math because I'll jump out that window right there, right? You know what I mean? So I never really calculated the math. It was enough money to crush me. That's the thing,
1: right? So loss is one thing, right? Giving up and quitting is another, right? And this is the thing that I think is so awesome about having this podcast, right? Because I get to get people to be vulnerable like this and talk about when it wasn't successful, right? Life was great until it was not, right? But now that it's not, you have complete yeah. control of that and you haven't left it there because I've never been around the guy that's not happy, right? I've not been around the guy that's getting his head caved in or yeah. trying to figure out if there's enough there to buy ramen. But that's what I see in all the successful people that I talk with. Nobody's had it all great from the beginning. Nobody's stayed on that wave. There's that element of, ta-da, oh, shoot. And then we
2: go back to ta-da, Right hundred percent. It's peaks and valleys, right? It goes like this. And if you think it's not going to hit you, two things are happening. Number one, you're not diversified enough, right? And it's coming, right? We know that. And we know that because we've been there. So I was sitting there with a half a million dollar loss. To your point though, before we even go back to that story, I will tell you the way that I filter people, like in real estate, for example, were you around before 2008? And what did you do after 2008? And how was your adjustment? The kids that are after 2008 and crushing it because real estate looks like that, and I hate to say this, yes, everybody has value, but to me, how did they adjust? What did they do to survive has more value, period, right?
1: And we know that there was a lot of people that in 2006 and 2007 were getting into the real estate world that as soon as they realized it was covered in barbed wire and there was real bullets flying everywhere and you had nine miles to crawl on your hands and knees to get to safety, or nine years, they went back to corporate. And it's the rest of us, I don't wanna say that we were the most intelligent group, right? But we stayed in it, right? We stayed after it and we made sure that what we did from here was gonna continue to provide us with that value. And there's that battle hardness, right? There's that thing that I know if I'm doing a deal with you, Vishnu, and it goes sideways, not one of us is gonna panic and run.
2: We're gonna go, oh, this again. Right. Oh, this. And how do we adjust? Right. Right. And we have the experience to be able, like, you're right. It's grit. Right. Yeah. Please, everyone that's listening, without grit, patience, and time, go back to the W-2 because this is not for you. Right. simple as that.
1: And there's a way to get that, right? And hooking up with a mentor, being around people that have been through it, following their lead. I'm looking around and I see a lot of kids that are doing what I was doing in 04. Right. Yep. Right, Oh, five. Right. I mean, you can't miss at this point. I mean, this is like playing whack-a-mole with being clairvoyant. You know what pull it's popping up out of next because everything is a home run. But one of the things that you've done since then is you've learned, you've walked through it, you've stayed with it, but you've also diversified yourself.
2: Yeah. So going back to the story, and I think both of me and you are are on clubhouse pretty often. The problem with clubhouse is Thankfully, I don't get to sit there and tell my story every day for an hour, right? It's the nature of Clubhouse. But the real value that I think that I have is truly learn from my mistakes, right? Just that's it. And then also take whatever knowledge I have and apply it. The stuff that I do is not complicated, right? So, so back to that story of the half a million dollars. So I was sitting there and completely unemployable because if you followed the story, I pretty much worked for myself and I've become. Somewhat by design, unemployable, right? But I do have a strong network. I went and had to get a W-2. So I was assistant stage manager in a studio in Manhattan where they do film and TV, going back to my old network of those things, right? That where I worked on that. So I was a W-2. Anyone that knows me knows that, right? At the end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm self-employed. So from day one, I'm like, where's my exit strategy here to get out of this W-2? but I have a half a million dollar hole that I got to figure out, right? That I got to get back on my feet. So I relied on things that I know. Now, one thing, and let's get right into it, right, Shannon? How I got back into real estate, one of the things my dad instilled in me was never mess up your personal credit. So in a nutshell, and I didn't. Throughout all of that, my personal credit stayed where pretty decent. And so I took that personal credit and my personal credit profile, which is credit score is part of that, right? It's a measurement, not a very accurate measurement, by the way, a really poor measurement of your personal credit profile, right? It really, your credit report. And so I took that credit report and got small business credit cards, right? So there's a bunch of companies out there, people, please do your due diligence on that, right, that offer people with a decent credit score you can go and then get small business credit cards. I took that those small business credit cards, converted them into cash, and did my first fix and flip while I was a W-2. And that's how I got back on my feet.
1: It's always funny to hear because everybody has a creative way to get back in the game, right? To get to the next opportunity that gets them where they want to go. But when you started in that, I mean, now you're back to where you felt like you were hitting on all cylinders you and Jamie were working together you were in Chicago you're building luxury homes now you're doing fix and flips you're doing what you appear to not grow bored with right what's the next step from there I mean where are you going with that and how have you taken that and leveled up from there
2: yeah so what I did is so first I used those cards obviously where we are a fix and flip company that's our bread and butter but it is time to level up. From macroeconomic issues, a plethora of issues, right? And then, of course, internally for our company, it's time, right? And so, to answer your question, the next stage is number one: new construction. Because I did do that with Jamie. Eventually, we ended up doing new construction, so that's obviously makes sense, right? So we're going to go from fix them and we're going to continue doing fix and flips. And don't get me wrong. Right. We're good at it. We're going to continue doing it, but it's just not going to be the priority. So we're going to go to doing new construction. That's one. And then number two, doing things like my hero here, Mr. Shannon Rodna. Right. So we're going to go into syndications, multifamily repositioning and multifamily new construction as well.
1: And the reality is, too, when you're looking at what, your options are, I mean, you can stay down, you can stay in the gutter, you can let the world walk over you, or you can get back on your feet, you can find a creative way, you can go to that level. And like we said earlier, Vishnu, it's that grit, that getting to that level where, okay, now I've figured out a way to not only resurvive, but thrive, because now through that, I've seen where I can put extra effort and energy into anything and overcome it. Now you're taking that and you're going, man, now I can go to the next level. I'm just going to ask you real simply, if you hadn't gone through those losses, would you have been able to handle the game you have going on today?
2: I love that. No, I don't think so.
1: That's exactly where I think a lot
2: of people are, right? Why? Some of this, I think, is those things actually, that's where grit is born, right? That's where patience is born. I don't use the word failure, I bet I'm gonna use it right now, right? So some people would say, hey, that half a million dollar loss is a failure. I describe it as the best thing that ever happened to me. Did I know it at the time? Right? No, it wasn't, of course not. I was like, what is this, right? This is pain. This is bleeding. (laughs) My spleen
1: can't even dig me out of this one if I sell it. You know?
2: (laughs) A bunch of these white hairs is definitely attributed to that, but it's those scars, right? that tell you who you are and then how do you handle those things? Look, I have not always handled those things well, right? But the point is you get up, Right, get knocked down, you get up and you don't quit. Just like you said, there is no quit for us. And if there was quit, we wouldn't be successful. So I'm firmly in your camp because it's coming, right? The risk is coming. It's going to hit us. But for people like you and me, we know we have to adjust. So it's okay. Right? right. And we know that and we'll adjust and it's okay. It'll always be okay. People who have had this success without being hit in the face, when it comes to them, they might stay down. Right. right. Because their grit hasn't been tested. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I look at them to be completely honest. And again, I hate to say it like this, but that's risk to me. Yeah. Dealing with someone like that is risky because like you said, it's so perfectly is that person going to cut and run? You know I'm not. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and it's like I think Mike Tyson said it. He says, you know, everybody comes out of the corner with a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And you know, that's the thing. And when I ask that question of people like yourself, they all have that same answer. No, I wouldn't have learned it. It's not that we wanted to learn this lesson, but this is where wisdom is born. Wisdom is born with things that you learned the hard way. I remember prior to 08, my dad telling me and telling me and telling me and telling me about. It. What Jimmy Carter did to the economy and blah, 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 blah. Gas prices, this and house prices, that and 18% interest. It can't set that, that. That's not how it works. Now we make money. Like we just walk outside and we just pick it up. And then when this started to happen, then that wisdom started to come into my life. Oh, this is why you have a rainy day fund. Oh, this is why you don't get payments up to where you can't breathe anymore. This is why you do those things. But it's out of that that you also get creative. It's out of that that you think of the ways that you can do things differently. Right. Absolutely. And with that, you kind of shifted your focus to where prior you had one stream of income, you were a trader. Yeah. Before that you were working with Jamie, you had one stream of income out of this, you've changed this. And then I know this because we've talked multiple times, but you changed this and you added other streams of income to your life that aren't all tied together. So that if one goes down for a while, okay, it might be
2: beans and rice, but it's not beans and rice you borrowed from somebody else while you slept on a park bench, beans and rice kind of bad, you know? hundred percent. Because the thing for me, when I lost that half a million dollars, it was right then and there that I'm like, I will never be in this position again right. where I'm scared, right. where I was full of fear. Right. Oh, yeah. And the detriment to what that does to someone's psyche is terrible, but really The decision-making when you're so overwhelmed and consumed with fear, how is that not going to be bad decision-making? Yeah. Yeah. You can't make good decisions, right? So it took me a minute to adjust, but I adjusted. You mentioned something earlier, just to go back to when I went back to to when I was doing the W-2 and the fix and flip, just for the sake of the audience. And I want people to understand this. On the first fix and flip, number one, my down payment was 10%. It was a hard money loan. It was 10%. That quickly changed to 100%. And why am I saying that is there are hard money lenders out there. If you come under 70% LTV, which means it has to appraise under 70% LTV, there are hard money lenders out there that will pay for the purchase and the rehab. And because I was in such a hole, that was how we were able to volume in the single family fix and flip space, right?
1: But again, it was about finding the lever to pull to get you what you were going to get to anyway, right? I mean, let's just be clear. It was going to happen. You were going to get out of that hole. There was no way that you were going to let that happen. And I think that a lot of, I don't want to say millennials, but I think a lot of people look at the lessons that you and I have learned in life as failures, because that's where that particular lane of travel stopped. They quickly Mm -hmm. retreat, no more. Thomas Edison says, no, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And a lot of that just has to do with the mindset on how you sell that to yourself. But so often people are so concerned about what everybody else thinks about it that they don't wanna continue. They don't wanna be Colonel Sanders and not find somebody to finance your restaurants until you're way late in life. You don't wanna see all these things happen. You want the success early. You want the things to happen quickly. But I see a lot of people that don't have that tenacity. So they look at it as a failure And it is, in my opinion, it is a failure when that's the last time you did that particular activity, right? Because you stopped, in my opinion, you stopped that education, you stopped that knowledge. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, look, for those people that know me, I stopped drinking. So I am a failure at drinking. I know that, right? Because (laughs) I've repeatedly proved that I'm a failure at that. But at that same moment, I'm okay with that failure, right? Yeah. It's what I do from there where I realize that, hey, you know what? I want to get better at something. I want to get better at golf. I want to get better at, at building. I want to get better at syndicating. I want to get better at raising capital. I've got to keep doing this, and I can't let getting knocked down take me out. And that's the common thing that I find with people like yourself, Vishnu, that will always be successful. La Cucaracha, right? It doesn't matter if it's nuclear war. We will figure out a way through that to let whatever's happened be the circumstances with which we are currently playing the game, but it won't be where we get up, take our toys and go somewhere else. Right.
2: What I love about what you just laid out and sharing even that about yourself is when you go through things and the frequency that you've been knocked down and then you get up, what the beautiful thing is, there is no more fear. Right. right? right. So it's just like, okay, And then the real thing is like, what does that look like, right? So that's when it comes to, before we jumped on this podcast, we were talking about flipping planes, right? And you said it so beautifully, you can flip so many things, right? I just don't think we'll see that. And I think you and I both, and a lot of people like us understand that if you don't have diversification of assets, that's how you get into trouble, right? Like you said, like I was just a trader. I was just working in the film industry. I was just working with Jamie. And so how do you eliminate fear? Well, if one goes down, right, I have three, four other things that I can rely on that will always keep me, like you said, off that park bench, right? Right. And if you know that, then what are you scared of, right? Right. And I would say another thing, that's like getting into the actual business plans for people. But the other part of it is, so we're talking about two different things. We're talking about a mindset. And then we're actually talking about diversification of assets. So you don't have to fear, but the mindset to me is where everything, you know, me, like I'm the woo all day. I am woo. -woo, Right. And I have no problem. Like when someone leverages that criticism at me, bring it because like, to me, that's the stupidest criticism on the planet. Everything starts right here in the mind. Yes. Everything. Right. That's where your Absolutely. thoughts come from. So you're not with the mindset belief system. I mean, what kind of talk is that? Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm 100 percent all day. Right. You
1: have, to- you have to be because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, let's just be honest. Look, and we're not discounting a mental illness. OK, because that takes the mind to a different place. But in ninety nine percent of people in ninety nine percent of cases, the reality is, is that if you get out of bed saying I'm having a great day, and you force your way through that second cup of coffee or whatever you got to drink in the morning, and you make that great day happen, you're not going to get to the end of it and have had a bad day. If you get out of bed, I don't care if you just scratched off the winning lotto ticket and woke up next to your dream girl or guy, you can have a bad day if you choose to. And nothing, I mean, nothing is going to change that for
2: you. Well, I'm with you. And I think the thing is, From my cultural background, I was born here, right? But my parents, I'm first-generation Indian. And so that meant going to India at a very young age every four years, right? And at that time, India is not the same country, which is fascinating. Like China and India, the pace of growth historically in those two countries, you didn't really see that, right? So it's not the same country. But to say that there's not a level of poverty that is, by the way, not seen in this country, right? Mm -hmm is just being ignorant. Now, the, some people haven't been to those countries. That's okay. Right. Read a book, open up the internet and go look, yeah. use your goddamn brain. Yeah. So my mom was a doctor. My dad was a veterinarian. We grew up upper middle class and then a little bit probably higher. It's not like we were hurting, but that doesn't count my mom and dad's family. Right. right. I don't know if you remember, but like back in the day in the eighties, there Sally Struthers, yeah. right. The, yeah. the late night thatched roof, Save the children. Well, that's what my my dad's village looks like. And that's what it looks like, but in India, right? right? But here's the thing. What I learned right off the bat, talking about woo-woo and mindset, biggest smiles on the planet, in the slums, in the worst conditions ever. No running water, filth like you can't believe, but the biggest, biggest smiles. And what it taught me, because what are we talking about? Poor country coming back to the strongest economy hegemony in on the planet period yeah and coming back to a fairly rich suburb in Chicago and depression all around me from very rich folks so what yeah. did it say your money is not what's making you happy man no. give it up no. so. Yeah.
1: But I think it's also perspective, right? I mean, if you really boil it down, I mean, the perspective of these people that life is great because my family's alive and I have this and I have that, whereas other people, it's the more money you get, the more your perspective is able to change. And now you're able to focus on the fact that I don't have the new this or I don't get that or my house isn't as big as Sally's house or whatever. But before we go, keep going down that rabbit hole, having that perspective and creating that into multiple streams of income have brought you to where you're at today. But what are some of the actions that somebody can take if they are sitting here going, okay, I just realized that I am at my point where I just lost my half million dollars. I'm in Shannon's 2009. Uh, I'm in Vishnu's trading days. What's the actions that they can take to get from there back to on track and back to up on top?
2: Yeah, I alluded to it before. It's so first of all, if your credit and the way you can check is use my FICO, right? And what you're gonna do is check your credit score. And I'm gonna walk you right through it right now. So you're gonna check, you're gonna check your score, and you're gonna use FICO because I believe it's 80% of the lenders on the planet use FICO. And then it's either 80 or 90 percent in this country, sorry, um, in the United States, and then the rest is filled by the vantage score, but by uh that score type. So use my FICO because you're going directly. It's accurate. Now, my point is, is you need to know what your actual score is and that's your actual report. What is on there? Now, if you have a decent score, that doesn't mean you're fundable, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, for example, right now, if you look at my credit report, my score is decent, right? It's 740, 750, something like that. But- I have like 16 hard inquiries on it because I'm constantly getting loans from all over the place. So am I fundable at this moment? No, right? Until those inquiries are gone, I'm not really fundable. So what I'm saying to people is you got to know what's going on first in your credit report. And if there's derogatories, meaning do you have missed payments? There's a whole list of things that will disqualify you for small business credit cards. Small business credit cards are not personal credit cards. So uh, most of us have personal credit cards. Those report to the personal credit agencies. Business cards report to the business credit agencies. Okay. So what I'm telling you is exactly to answer your question, Chan, this is exactly what I did. Right. To get out of that hole and to pay for that down payment and the interest payments in my first flip. Right. So You're going to check that credit report and credit score. If it's no good, right? If you have a low one, you're going to go get credit repair. You're also talking to a person who had to go through those steps. And at a different time, other things happen. I'm a businessman. Things happen all the time, right? But my point is my credit score did eventually get knocked down, but there's credit repair for it. Now, warning, very loud warning. The due diligence that you have to do on the credit repair people is very real. It's full of scam artists. It's full of people that cannot provide the service that they tell you. You must do your own due diligence, right? But get that credit where it needs to be. Go get the small business credit cards. Now you have money to do. Let's get right to what Shannon was asking. It doesn't have to be a fix and flip. Is it an Airbnb, an e-commerce store? Whatever it is, but now you have capital to go and to start putting it to work. Right. And again, me and you are both, is it flipping a plane? I mean, whatever. Right. right. But you're going to start to have money. And I would also say when people have this romantic vision of people like me and you, where we're self-employed, we're no longer W2, be strategic about that exit. What I'm saying to people is Whether it's small business credit cards or whether you're going to get a mortgage to the FHA with our friend Jonathan Bing, whatever it is, right? Understand that the W-2 might be your friend.
1: And that's absolutely right. Because banks like to know that you're going to get paid on Wednesday, whether you did what you were supposed to on Monday and Tuesday or not, right? And sometimes as entrepreneurs, if we don't do it exactly, closing gets delayed or things don't happen or we didn't make the kind of money we thought we were... But in a W-2, you do. And so the bank goes, eh, they're going to pay their bills. We right. can count on that.
2: And that's the mindset. Like a lot of yeah. people have this antagonistic mindset going into dealing with lenders. Why They're your partner. Just like if your friend lent you money, like they just yeah. want to be reassured that you can pay it. A W-2 looks better to them than self-employed. It's just, it yeah. is what it is. But that doesn't mean that you can't, even as a self-employed person, go and get loans as we, yeah. As, as we know. Yeah.
1: So, So, Vishnu, that's fantastic. And guys, I just want to remind you that you're listening to people that are talking about what happened to them. And that's why I love hanging out with Vishnu. It's not a hypothesis situation. You know, we're not using that political science degree of his to debate whether or not Trump would win against Biden right now. We're not having that conversation. We're not talking about what any of this meant. We're talking about what actually happened. And that's what I love about having real life soldiers on this podcast like Vishnu and being able to bring real knowledge. So guys, I want you to help me thank Vishnu for being on the show today. Vishnu, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you guys for tuning into the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast to get an automatic update. You'll find us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find Vishnu in Clubhouse and you'll find them right here on the Real Estate Rundown. So thanks Vishnu for coming by. I appreciate you being on the show, man.
2: Peace, Shannon. See you soon, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.
0: That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnett.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.